What's up, guys? This is episode three of At The Face. Today, we're going to carry on our chat with Sam Patterson. Now, last episode, we spoke about all things England. This week, we're going to take a look at the university game and also discuss just what it would take to create a semi-professional men's league here in the UK. I hope you enjoy the episode and please don't forget to like, follow and share the show on social media. So Sam, you are, we've talked about your England playing career. Um, You are head of lacrosse at Nottingham Trent. That is, it's a hell of a title. Um, Sounds awesome. But I feel like there's a hell of a lot to that job that that title doesn't explain. Can you just explain to us what it means? What is your job um, on a daily basis? What are you getting up to? Uh, So yeah, so manage both the men's and women's programs. Um, This year, for the first year, I coached both the men's and women's programs as well, which was a bit of a challenge. Uh, to balance both but usually obviously we have uh sort of assistant coaches uh working with us on the men's and the women's um uh, but yeah most of most of my time obviously coaching but also probably 50 50 between coaching and recruitment to be fair um very fortunate obviously to be one of the only if not i don't know one of the only full-time lacrosse coaches in the uk um but i also get the opportunity with work to go to america and do recruitment out there go and shadow coaches in the states i've had that opportunity a couple of couple of times now um i do a lot of video like we obviously do a lot of stuff around um you know performance analysis like video analysis and stuff like that those kind of things so yeah it's a a full-on job i think a lot of my friends think that i I don't do very much but um you know i think you know it's not a nine-to-five job for by any stretch of the imagination it's a you know because of because of how many squads we've got ntu it's you know we 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 don't I don't leave you know Nottingham on a can Monday you tell and Tuesday us, until. Can, can you tell us a little bit about how many uh, like what squad you've got? What is the setup at NTU for those that don't know? So um, so we have uh, two performance squads, men's and women's, um, and uh, they are kind of like they kind of I suppose like fully supported in regards to um, you know we have some scholars in that team. Um, but we, uh, they get strength and conditioning. We train regularly. Uh, they have nutritionists, psychologists. We have video, um, we have video analysis that they can use. Um, so it's it's kind of like what I've, I've basically brought in a lot of what I've learned from Team England and what I think how I think a lacrosse program should be run. I've also, like I said, I've been off to the states and I've, I've sat down with uh, coaches like Coach Toomey at Leola, um, to, and, and sort of looked at how he operates and how he sort of. Uh, I've been was very fortunate last last year to go and watch how he prepares for a game and stuff like that. Um, so just trying to bring in the, all those all those different things. So we're basically trying to provide our students, especially on the performance teams, um, like a, a proper performance environment. Um, and it's I'm one of um, uh, four of the heads of sports at NCU um, where we're all full time. We can all just really put a lot of time, and a lot of thought into how we. Um, how we build our programs really. Um, and then we also have like second teams and also a development team, but we're looking to bring in third teams into books, uh, uh, both men's and women's uh, next season. So you said you're one of four. Um, why, why lacrosse? Why have they chosen? I was going to ask you what, like why have the uni decided to, to well, advertise this role four years ago? What, why lacrosse? I think, well, from my understanding of it, obviously books, you get points uh, as a university um, to towards sort of um, 
sort of your overall ranking as, as an institution. Uh, and obviously it's one of one of the key indices uh, that, that when, you know, a, a 18 year old student is looking to go to a university, they can look and, and we're in that, uh, you know, look at the rankings for sport, look at the rankings for very education, all these different things. Um, and for us, it, we made a, a commitment to be, to make the top 10 in books. Um, we were definitely on target to do that this year before everything got uh, canceled, which was a really big shame. Um, uh, but yeah, we, so lacrosse is one of those sports that you can earn a lot of points in, uh, because not only do we have uh, the leagues, uh, the, the, the cups competitions, but we also have an eights competition as well, which we can earn a season's worth of points in one day, um, which is amazing. So, uh, wow. so we obviously, and I think more, more universities now are trying to invest in the student experience and having professional coaches in there is only going to heighten their experience as a, as a student. I hope that my students get a lot out of it. Um, uh, but yeah, it's, you know, we're quite very fortunate at NCU that we value performance sport um, and, and we invest in performance sport as well. So it's an amazing place. I, I'm honestly, I, I love my job and I love working for, for, for NCU. Um, it's an unbelievable place to work and be around those different kind of coaches. So I'm not just learning off, um, you know, it's not just lacrosse, it's work, hockey, um, football, rugby, netball as well. Um, you know, I'm learning off those guys every day and that hopefully we're sort of imparting knowledge and stuff like that. It's just a great, just a good environment to work in as well. I really, I honestly love working in the HE sector. It's like an unbelievable place to work. Okay, so you've got into the role. Um, you obviously have a, a, a depth of knowledge in the men's game. What was your women's knowledge like going in? Um, and how I'm going to guess that was your weaker of the two. And, and how has that changed yeah. in the past four years? What was that like? So I was very fortunate the first uh, three years at NTU. We, we, had, um, we had a women's head coach. Uh, so I kind of, as much as I kind of tried to uh, in, uh, sort of work with her, uh, both Katie and, and Gabby, uh, with with how they were running the programs, I, I very much gave them quite a lot of autonomy. Um, but this year we struggled to recruit, or last year, last season we struggled to recruit uh, a coach to come in. Unfortunately, like um, so, I had to make a decision. I uh, I had to take take that step up. So I spent pretty much all summer uh, just reading up. But fortunately enough for me, that the game changed to a tennis side game. So I basically just. You know, I have a way of playing. I have a playbook which uh, I, I run off. Or I don't try to make things super complicated with my with my, with my teams. And basically, we just try to be as organised as possible. And um, we had I actually enjoyed the women's coaching women's across super, like a, a lot. Um, uh, and we had an amazing season. We went undefeated. Uh, we beat. So like we, sh- we 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 missed out on getting promoted to the Premiership the year before. Um, I recruited a couple of really really good uh, good players, and we had a really good core of English players. Um, this year and uh, the American players we brought in were unreal like they really just pushed this pushed the standard up even higher and we went undefeated and we actually beat uh, you know we beat Durham uh, twos and who were in the division above us uh, who were top of the league uh, in the semi-finals of the trophy so that was an unreal end to the season it was I was just really really disappointed that we couldn't end it because that team had you know I was hoping we'd beat Exeter in the in the trophy and um, we, we fortunately enough for us we've been promoted to Premiership B now. So we were supposed to be playing against a playoff situation with that, but that got, um, we, we, we got rubber stamped a couple of weeks ago to get promoted. So that was unreal. So that's a, for me, that was a really good 
um, way of rewarding the players for the, for the year that they put in, into the programme. But I really enjoyed it. it. Obviously, the rules are a lot different, but it's lacrosse. And, and you, you know, you know, I put in you just the simple things like we just put in some defensive, some defensive stuff, a clear ride. Offensively, we just we we worked on a couple of a couple of um, weren't they weren't plays. They were just you know um, you know systems, if you will, like commotion offense and stuff like that. Obviously, next year it changes even more with the rules. It becomes even more like men's lacrosse um, in terms of the rule set. Um, but on the men's side, it's 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 totally different. You can kind of go in quite a lot of depth with those guys and and, and really push them because we have some really really talented players on the men's side as well. Um, so I just didn't, yeah, I do enjoy it. It's just a great environment to try and try stuff out. And I have my way of playing. I want to play fast. I want to push the standard lacrosse in England. And I want my players, especially on the boys' side, the one thing I said I wanted to create an NCAA school in England um, in terms of like how they operate um, and how we play. Um, and I very much say that to the to the American guys that we have on the team when they come. You know, I want them to push the the English guys and make them better better players. They're not just coming to play; they're, they're coming to be mentors as well, um, uh, which is a, a huge thing for me uh, with the boys that we've got on the program. It's amazing how um, I coach men, men's and women's. I wouldn't consider consider myself a women's coach at all. Um, I was bricking it when I f- went to my first uh, women's uni session. And I was like, it's passing and catching. Like, surely I can figure this out. And it is amazing. You kind of have a bit of a, a moment where you realize, no, it is actually just passing and catching. There's elements of both games that well, there's a lot of elements of both games that apply to both games. And there's a lot of elements from one game that you can't like from the women's that you can use in the men's and so on and so forth. Um, and I think the biggest eye opener for me, particularly with the women's game, is they've they've clearly been taught a certain way and they've clearly been instructed to do things in a certain way. And when you change that ever so slightly, it's like a, a eureka moment. Do you know what I mean? When you bring in something from the men's game that works perfectly acceptably well in the women's game, they love it. And it's just, it's little things that they're not used to or haven't done before just because they haven't been done before. Um, I was shocked how, how easily um, it, I became comfortable in coaching women's when, to be brutally honest, I was, like I said, I was bricking it. I had absolutely no clue. Um, I was like, oh, what's the fan? What's the... You really can get hung up on some stuff that is just irrelevant. Um, it's passing and catching at the end of the day. So you got to be, that... com- you've got to be confident, man. Absolutely, you've got to be confident going into into those. You just got you can't show any show no, show no weakness because they'll see it and they'll uh, and they'll they'll they'll, uh, they'll they'll take advantage of it. If you get hung up on technique, just tell them to work on their offhand. Sorted. <laughs> Problem solved. How's your offhand today? Um, Okay, so it's really it's nice to see that NTU have uh, invested in such a professional position. There's obviously a massive financial outset for them. Um, what is what's your biggest competition? So you are recruiting players from all over the world by the sounds of it to come to NTU and play. What's your biggest uh, competition? Where where are these other players going to be going? What other offers do they get? Like what makes your job difficult? Obviously, um, so it was predominantly Durham. Uh, obviously, we all know that Durham's dominated the, the university game for, for a number of a number of years. Um, and in recent years, um, obviously, they've got uh, Dave Caldwell up there who coaches their their program um, up there. And then in recent years, you've got um, you know University of Nottingham. Uh, Scott Scott Riddell's done an amazing job there, and he had a phenomenal team this year um, at, at Union and. I was pretty confident coming into the season and I watched the uni off play and I was like, geez, they are a phenomenal team. They had some 
I mean, like guys like Carl Pless, uh, Garrett, uh, Garrett McAuley, um, uh, Christian Scar- Scarpello from Team England, who also played at Rutgers. Uh, and then some some phenomenal English players. Obviously, got Hal Dwobeng, uh, the England goalie uh, at Union. And obviously, Scott Scott and really organised them. They they did they put a ringer on us at the start of the season. Um, really did put a ringer on us. Uh, and then we were fortunate enough to to beat them at their place. Uh, obviously, they had a couple of injuries, but we, you know you look at both squads. It was very evenly matched. They've got a really strong um, defence, and we had a really strong offence. Um, you know, so that this year was the big rivalry, Durham beat us at home, which I was surprised about because I really thought we, we we had a team to beat them at home this year. Then we went up to Durham and beat them. Um, so this year was the most competitive season I've had personally in, in books. Obviously, uh, Uni of Manchester as well with uh, Mike, Mike Bartlett. They've, had, they've got a really strong team. Um, unfortunately for them, obviously, with academics and stuff like that, like they can't have their players available to them at all times. But, you know, they have, you know, when they have got their strongest team out, they've got a very strong team. Um you know, we need more universities to buy into it, personally. Um, you know, you've got down south, you've got um, Oxford's got a strong team. Uh, unfortunately, we, when they played us, the, 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 their students were uh, involved with the coronavirus, uh, sort of researching that, which is fair enough. When they came yeah. over to us at the end of the game and they apologised for not giving us a good game in the semi in the quarterfinals, it was, uh, I was like, well, I think they're doing us all a service by trying just, to... Yeah, just save my yeah, life instead. Yeah, yeah, you crack <laughs> on with that. Um, but then, uh, also Bristol, 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 Bristol have done a really good job over the last couple of years. Uh, really competitive programme. I you know, hope that they, again, continue to kick, kick that programme forward. Uh, and then Ma- Manchester Met as well, over re- recent years, up back up north. Um, they've been promoted to the Premier League. And again, they've got a, a strong program. Hopefully, coming through. Um, so I, I see, I see a, a, a bright future for for, for for books across. I honestly do. And it's kind of like, from my point of view, recruitment wise. Um, so I'm very big on. I want my team to be predominantly English. I don't want to have a, a big American influx. So we, you know, we, we can only like. So we can only have twenty guys on our performance squad. And to you, that's kind of like a, a rule at the university. So. I like kind of like 60-40 in terms of English Americans this year. It was a little bit 50-50. Next year, obviously, we can touch on the NCAA stuff, uh, which is going to affect books across for the next four years um, in terms of recruitment. Um, But I'm very much, I want to bring the best English players. And we got some really talented English players in the team this year. I'm really, really excited for the guys that we've got coming coming next year. We've got some England, really talented England, the 19 players on the squad. and, And I'm, trying to bring in uh, some really talented American guys that are going to fill key positions, kind of have that core down the middle of the squad that you have that. I think that the reason Durham have always been so good is you got to remember those guys have played four years of NCAA. So when they come, they got the maturity, you know, when our, in our first couple of years, yeah, we had a few Americans in the team, but a lot of the kids were freshers or second years and they've not really experienced the level across these guys are experienced. So, it doesn't matter how much depth we had, like um, as much as I thought. Oh, if we have depth, if we have a second string of midfield that can go out there and 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 and, uh, and you know, and whereas they've not got a second string really, um, you know, we can grind them down over the game. But they just had two really good teams, and then obviously 2017, uh, 2018 season, we 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 beat them in the in the national championship game, which was amazing. Uh, they had a really strong team that year, I and mean, so did we. Uh, we had an unbelievable year. That was a great team to coach. Uh, we thought we had it this year. Well, obviously, it got cancelled. We, we made the final again this year against Durham, and I was really excited for that. And the boys were really excited. Um, we thought that we had the team capable of going and winning our second national championship. 
Um, but yeah, it was obviously, you know, how, how safety of the players and, and safety of the country is more important. Uh, so obviously for obvious reasons that was, that was, uh, cancelled. So you, it's obviously a very full on program. Um, to put it into perspective for other university players, so I coach a uni that uh, the university pays for an hour and a half of my time each week. They get an hour and a half on the Astro. They then opt to pay, it's, it's a lot of money, for a second training session that's uncoached. They take it themselves. So they train twice a week, one of which they have to fund themselves. Um, what is your training regime um, at that kind of the level that you're at? I mean... You'd expect that we'd practice every single day of the week, um, but we don't. Uh, so in pre-season, we do we do practice every day. So we'll do we'll we'll, we'll run like a month, maybe uh, maybe three weeks, depending on on how. Um, there's, there's a load of different factors. The, re- the reason why we can't practice for for a month. I mean, some of the sports practice, you know, a month and a half before the season starts. But um, with those, obviously, we got a lot of students coming from the states. A lot of them have got summer classes or, or haven't yet graduate, uh, uh, graduated this, the, the university yet, or wherever it may be. And then we've also got accommodation issues and stuff like that. So in in preseason, we we practice every day, and then in, uh, this upcoming season, uh, preseason because of coronavirus, we've had to make various different contingency plans around: can we practice for a month? Can we practice for three weeks? Are we going even going to get a preseason? So. So I'm going to try and cram it into three weeks, but do two a days. Um, so we'll practice in the morning. The boys will go off, go and do their team lift in the in the sort of early afternoon. Go and get a bite to eat, and then uh, they'll come back in the in the afternoon, and we'll do we'll do another session. Um, so I'll probably sandwich the girls' session in the middle of the day. Um, so they'll, in preseason they'll practice two days, um, and then in season we only practice really Monday, Tuesdays, and if we've got a big game coming up or we want to practice on something particular as a team or practice on a Friday. But for the most part, I tried to run uh, like more smaller group sessions on a Friday. You got to write off Thursday for obvious reasons in university sport. Uh, <laughs> you know, it's not, you know, it's university at the end of the day. Like they're going to, they're going to do you it. You mean because they, uh, because they all played a game the day before and they are very, very fatigued. Yes. They're very fatigued the day after. Um, thought so. Thought so. But in pre-season we, 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 uh, we push them pretty hard and we, we, we try and bring in some different things. Like they'll, uh, we'll do some classroom stuff and we'll do some, uh, we do yoga every week and stuff like that. Like, um, you know, like uh, we, you know, trying to get them for a recovery point of view, but in season, like on Mondays is usually a team meeting. All our games are filmed. So we'll probably, if we've got a big game coming up or we want to review something, maybe we want to review the man up from the previous game, or we want to look at them as a team. We've got video. It's kind of difficult because, You've only really got film on a team in the second half of the year because you, you, you know we're not like whereas like field hockey they share all the videos between each team so yeah. like if X to play Bath they'll share the video with NCU or something like that I think they have like a system or something whereas not every single team in books records their games so all our games are are filmed professionally um, and then we'll, I'll break it up and uh, usually I'll, obviously I'll watch it myself and then break it or clip up anything that I think we need to see in Monday. Uh, and then a lot of stuff I've learned from England. So like having the players, you know, come up with a game plan themselves and, you know, get them to action, action. Uh, people talk about like the smart kind of way of thinking, planning for games and stuff like that. We just sit down and just, you know, let's look at the opponent. We've got some really ta- experienced lads in, in, in our in our clubhouse. So we want to, we want to get the best out of them. We don't, I don't, I don't like, I want to be like a dictator and just dictate to them. Like I'll, I'll have my ideas of how we want to play. But yeah, that Monday meeting is really important to us. And then Monday, Tuesday, we practice 
probably Monday is a harder practice. Tuesday is the sort of lighter practice. Wednesday we obviously play, um, and then uh, and then on Fridays we'll if we've got a big game coming up and we want to do like a, a full field practice because that's the other thing we can we you know, as much as that it's, we have a lot of luxuries that are given to us at NTU we don't we have a, don't have a luxury facility so we can only share half a field so we can't run full field drills so like that Friday session was probably the the time if we run it probably like once a month let's say um, or one, uh, as a team that's the time we can do, do the full field stuff uh, that's the time we can work on our you know our full field clears our fast slow breaks full full field and uh we can work on some some different things riding and stuff like that um and then hopefully we've got enough players this year to run maybe a scrimmage as well on a, potentially on a friday um but yeah that's kind of how i, I like to do a lot of uh, individual stuff but I, we do like personal improvement plans with the boys after uh, halfway through term one so I, I've got a good opportunity to, to see them and, and, and they've had a, a bit of time in the, in the weight room so Chris our S&C coach will feed into that in terms of what they need to do uh, from a strength and conditioning point of view and nutrition usually it's just eat lots of food more because they do, they come and they don't eat the right foods and they don't know how to work nutrition out but yeah Okay, so it's not all about getting on the field and drilling and, you know, just getting that practice time. There's so much more that comes into it. Strength and conditioning. I should imagine there's some diet stuff in there. Um, video, so on. It's a real professional package um, that you I guys mean, put together. I mean, you watch, like, documentaries on, like, uh, like behind the scenes on, like, Premier League football teams and stuff like that. It's, it's, a lot of it's all the same. Like, a lot of your week is planned around... So you just basically hit the reset button, especially when you're in season, you hit the reset button. Okay, we've got, we got to get ready for our next opponent. Pray to God that none of them get injured over the weekend playing, playing books. They're playing in Nemler or Semler, wherever they're playing. And then, yeah, just hit, hit the ground running. Um, they play a lot of lacrosse, man. Like, they, I think the reason, why, the reason we can touch on it a little bit, you know, a lot of our guys play. I, I encourage my English kids to go and support their clubs back home. So they'll, they'll play on a... Uh, on a on a Saturday, but then a lot of them have got England as well. So some of them would be playing on Sunday with with under 19s, or they'll do be playing for under 19s in the club. So I've got I try to look at their schedules as much as possible and, and try and tailor the week around. Okay, they're going to be really tired on Monday. They're probably going to have zero, um, you know, attention span in that classroom session. Maybe we don't do a classroom session; we just go straight out the field, um, stuff like that. Like you just got to be smart about it. Like the kids are playing a lot of lacrosse, which is great, like unreal. Um, I'm being very fortunate. I've only had one serious injury all year, um, but you just got to manage that time, manage their time a little bit more, really. So I have, um, yeah, I, I, I hear what you're saying. It's yeah, it's not all about getting on the field um, and just constantly playing. I have it, this question comes up all the time. Um, I suppose you've got there's an element of an athlete being prepared as an athlete on their own it's not your job as such it's your job to help them and the amount of times uh the, the unis that i coach they're like oh we've got varsity in you know four weeks time can we do a bit of fitness and i'm like no absolutely not like if i've got an hour and a half with you i don't care whether you can run fast or not if you haven't done that for yourself already an hour and a half with me each week is not going to change that at all like you're overweight you're overweight that's, like, <laughs> that's it's that's something they can do as a group without you. They can they can meet up and they can do do that. I mean, in my first, like uh, some of the kids I recruited this year, uh, the first question they asked, like we heard we have to do seven a.m. runs in March, and I basically the first two seasons I was here, we used to take the boys to a local park, um, 
our our you know our S coach is awesome. Like he, he got you know he lives miles away and he's got up and drove over to Nottingham. It's like frost on the ground, and we'd meet the boys because obviously when you get into March you don't play every single week. So every week that we didn't have a game, we'd get up at seven a.m. and I hated it because I ran with the boys. I was still playing. So like, I used to get, get obviously get up and like, why the hell did I organise this session? Like you just see, saying to yourself, well, I'm the coach, and I don't want to do it. So God knows what they're like. But to be fair, so the year we won the championship, we we yeah we woke up and we went down to like this, it's like a little like it's in the middle of like the ghetto this this part. And we meet <laughs> meet the boys down there and do like sprints on the, on the steps or sprints on the field. Like Chris has got like a RSC coach got this like miserable fitness program um that he makes the boys do but little things like that the boys can do themselves you know what i mean you, like you say you've yeah. got a finite amount of tower that's the other thing about like trying to change the i try and change the culture a little bit at the, at the, at the, when i first came like you've only got an hour on the turf or an hour and a half on the turf whatever it may you need to make the most of that hour and a half so if they're not out ready to go as soon as that that the football let's say clear off and they're not helping me set the goals up, and they know they know what we do every week. So it's like it's changing the culture. So like you get the most out of that golden hour or whatever you have. We call it the power hour. Um, so you just can make the most of it. Really, it's get it's changing the culture of that and changing the discipline. Like you, you've been to a cross practice where people are stood on the sideline having a little having a little gather for the first fifteen minutes. All right, let's get let's do some stuff. All right, cool. Okay, so um, in in the south we are. We, we, I feel like a lot of our clubs are supported by university teams and it's not a case of, you know, like you said, a couple of the lads go back and play for the local clubs. So my club, for example, we have two universities near us. If those two universities didn't buy into our club or didn't play for us, we wouldn't have a club. There's like uh, seven or eight of us that aren't university university players what's the state of that situation in the north i'm assuming that clubs are running and being complemented by universities but do universities play a bigger part in that at all or not really i think a few clubs have definitely bought into it and i know that i'm trying to get michael brown to the idea of maybe not they're not going to be first team players but maybe they're going to be b and a team players for example the problem we have in the north though is a little bit geographical is is a geographical problem because You've got Manchester, Manchester Met, and Liverpool, maybe Chester now. They've started a programme up that have all got lacrosse players that are within, you know, a decent commuting distance of, of, of Manchester. But you, you look at the two major powerhouses kind of in, in that area is, is, is us. In, in, you know, you've got Sheffield and Sheffield Harm, I suppose, and Leeds and Leeds Beckett. Uh, but you've got Nottingham and Nottingham Trent. Like, they're kind of like in the Midlands. So, like, it's a, it's a two-hour drive for them to go and play a game on a Saturday afternoon. So, are they going to commit to the time? But then you've also got like, kind of like the perception of university lacrosse players in in them. Where I reckon is obviously, you know, they, they can't catch and throw. They don't know the game. Blah blah blah. Um, you know, you, there's some phenomenal players that started playing lacrosse. You know, guys that are on the England team now. Um, that you know that started playing lacrosse at university. There's no reason why these guys, if you give them enough time, and they understand the game. They improve their lacrosse IQ. It could be. We get some phenomenal athletes. We get guys that. I was going to say like, it's all about the athletes, isn't it? You can take an athlete, yeah. and teach you to pass and catch. I mean, Loughborough was a good one. Uh, yeah, they always used to go and get rugby. You know, there's a couple of guys um, uh, at Loughborough that you know have come through and and have you know they're athletes. They're just athletes, and once you teach them, get, improve all across IQ and hand the handling and the stick skills. You know, we need to tap into that because you know, you know, it's, you know, we don't have a, a we don't have a wealth of athletes 
they might have good lacrosse players, but they're not athletes. <laughs> no comment. No comment. Okay, so yeah, they're they're coming round to the idea that you can get a decent player out of a out of university. Um, it just might be taking take, a bit long. Gotta, yeah, time. All right, Sam. Um, a good few years ago, you and I had quite a heated discussion about the idea of a men's super league. Uh, we were both up for it. We both believed that it would float. Um, we're five years or so down the line. Do you still feel that a men's super league in the UK is a good idea? Um, at this time, probably not for the, for a couple of reasons. So first one is obviously the money side of things. It's not free. So like from my point of view, if I was, you know, still in the prime of my career and, and wanting to, wanting to commit like you know you got your summer months you want to go especially if it's not a world cup or a european championship year you you want to go on holiday and actually go on holiday and with your missus or go on holiday with your boy with your mates or whatever um so the, the money side of things you know you'd, you'd have to pay for it so unless unless there was a sponsor and it made it made made it either free to do or you know maybe bungs in a little bit of petrol money or whatever it may be to make it work i, I that that would be a big barrier barrier for me um also, I don't, I don't know where. If there's personally, I, I don't know, but I don't see the demand on the, from the players from it. Um, personally, I, mean, I don't know what it's like in the south, but I know in the north, I don't know how many players, like the top end players, the guys you want to be in, included in this, would buy into it. I mean, yeah, you get the younger players for sure. Want, like you might some of my lads at university would definitely back, jump into it. Um, and then you got you got to look at the schedule for some of those guys as well because they, like I said to you before, like. A lot of the summer is, is is done with it with England with tournaments with tours whatever it may be. So it's trying to find a, find a way around that. I'd love, like I said to you before, love our games to be played in the summer. Um, but maybe maybe if we did do it as a, as a trial, that you know they would see the benefits of playing lacrosse in the summer rather than the, rather than the winter in the in mud up to your ankles and uh, the rain coming past your helmet sideways. So in the um, south, we've got a uh, summer league. It runs out of Hillcroft. Um, that's the, my only gripe with it. It is so good. Like the guys do a great job, but my only gripe with it is, it, like I play lacrosse. I want to see my friends. I'd like to have a beer after the game and so on and so forth. Hillcroft for me is two hours away, and that's the same for a lot of other players. That's my only gripe with it. But they get, I mean, I haven't been for a while. A hundred players turn up for a couple of games wow. that happen. It's really, really good. Um, I'm assuming you guys don't have anything like that in the north i can remember it, something was run after 2010 like a, some sort of summer league just, again just the i don't think the players bought into it very much um it's a, it's a culture thing as well like we we've grown up with our sport two o'clock on a, on a saturday afternoon and there are some players now that are on the england team that would would moan if if, if a game did not, not happen on, on a saturday it's good like so i floated the idea a couple of years ago of uh, friday night lights so one of the big things i i, I always say is like you can't so if Cheadle are playing Mersey, let's say, massive game up north, I can't go and watch that game if we've got a game. So, like, you know, you, you can't support each other. You can't go and watch games of interest because we all play uh, at the same time on a, on a Saturday afternoon. So I thought the idea a couple of years ago of a, like a Friday night, like pick a game out every month, maybe play it in a small, like we've got a couple of small football clubs around here that are 3G, got a little mini stadium. Be awesome. I mean, in fact, we did we did do something similar. Um, we that Nemla did it last year, where we went uh, to the Etihad and played. And you, you obviously you've been up to the Etihad before, the the little mini stadium to the side of it. Um, that was awesome. 
That was that was awesome. I think hopefully, you know, if we did that again and just kept on doing that, I don't, I can't remember if it was on a Friday night, it might have been on a, on a Saturday, but basically it was games after games, basically. Um, so everyone stayed down. Obviously, there's not really a bar there or anything like that where you can, you know, have a few jars and whatnot and watch and watch, watch a bit, watch some lacrosse. But um, it was it was good, and that's what we need to see more of. Personally, um, is making a bit more of a spectacle of the game. Um, absolutely, I, absolutely. I, I would love a Super League. I just don't know if it would float with the players. I don't know if you get the buy-in, and maybe it would take a couple of years to show. You know, this is this is the way we want to play the game going forward. But um, the other thing is, like, they've also also floated this idea of a national league as well. I mean, like, maybe I don't know if it's still being floated around the in, in lacrosse circles or whatever it may be. But um, again just comes down to money like you're giving up a whole Saturday to drive down to London or someone from London driving up to Manchester or whatever I think um, you've just, you hit the nail on the head in you've got to have the buy-in there's got to be people that want to play it um, I think there's there's scope to have something uh, I feel like you know that, that you've got to push for the next level whatever that looks like even if it's the tiny tiniest of adjustment like you said playing at the Etihad that is the next level and then the next level goes up and up and up from there. If you don't get the buy-in from the players, that it's never going to work. You're never going to get it off the ground. Um, I I wonder whether we've got the depth of talent in the UK to you know pad anything other than a, a high-level two-team event. Like I'd I'd float the idea of well, I know we play a North game versus a South game, um, and then. You guys, no, who was it this year? Cheadle played, or Cheadle played Hampstead and so on and so forth. But there's, I feel like we could possibly, you know, take two players from each team across the country in both the Premiership, North and South, and make a bit of a spectacle of that. Do it as a one-off. You know, let's get all the the, the talented players in the country together, see if we can make something of it. Um, I also feel like we don't do enough as clubs to push like you said or get the buy-in from the lads and so on and so forth you'd, you'd have to question whether lacrosse players actually just like playing a good a decent standard of lacrosse and having a beer with their mates in a pub afterwards do you know what i mean like how professional can we make it as a club before we need to actually go and have a pro league there is nothing better than playing on a saturday afternoon and going back into your clubhouse and having a couple of couple of pints i mean that's that's from a culture point of view is you know, I, I love I love that part of our game and I, I would I would never want that to change um but like you say are you playing for clubs so that you've also got that club loyalty thing like some players just like playing for their club you know, they're not uh, you know they want to play internationally but they don't really they don't really they don't, there's no like attachment so it's like so it's like with these franchise these MLS um, MLS yeah the MLS in the states like football like like trying to manufacture that that following that that sort of um you know it's kind of like it's just a new a new thing and you kind of like there's, there's no sort of like buy-in from the players over a certain amount of time they've not like got anything any emotional attachment to it really yeah they? You, you, if you wanted to float it you only need 60 like if you get the best 64 guys i've said this about the winter classic like i think the winter classic should be moved to the summer anyway and it, make it like at the moment like, i would love it to be free if anything it'd be great if it's free and we invite the best 64 players or whatever it may be to that tournament every year we run it at a club or whatever it may be i know it's something we talked about as coaches at england um you know we would love it to be a more of a summer thing maybe it's in september or whatever like that um but like i say you only need 64 guys six four teams of 16 you've got you got yourself a, got yourself a little mini league there I, I would also say you don't just have to think english players we've got like i say we've got so many uh lads in the in the uk 
um, that are from overseas. Um, you know that you know we've got guys that are Australian. I think still playing down at Hampstead and stuff like that. We've got Americans, we've got Canadians. Um, if we could get their buy-in, um, if you know, to a, to a Super League, that that would that would work. It doesn't all have to be English guys. I mean, having those guys that played in the NCAA is only going to make the league better. Um, I feel yeah. like there's a desire I, there from an audience perspective. Do you know what I mean? I, mean, like, I like there the is idea. Something there. I just. I, I just it's just a desire in the money side of things from, from, from the player's point of view. It's just, it's another expense on top of playing for England and playing for your club. It's like all money out and no money coming in. Um, you know, it's just, it's whether you get the guys buying into it really. Okay. So you need absolute buy-in. It's, you can't be charging the players to play in it. I think that goes with any kind of, you're trying to make something professional. Don't then charge someone to, to go and play for it. That makes sense. Um, do you, so uh, let me ask you this. Do you guys at Stockport record stats of your players, goals, assists, and so on and so forth? We used to. We used to have a guy who's with our team for for years called Greg Coppat, who used to uh, do all our games, do all our stats. Um, and uh, Benny Mack used to always uh, be arguing, arguing with him at the end of the game that he had <laughs> he marked him down for too many, too much, too less, too less saves. There's people like Mozer at Poynton and people like that that do do, do, do that. Oh, like, Mozer's like an absolute the rain man when it comes to stats. <laughs> Um, Excel wizard. Uh, you know, honestly, he goes into so much detail. He can like r- like ring the stat at you like that. Um, stats. I, actually, I'm, I love stats. I, I love I love looking at that. I've always been that kind of guy. Um, so I do a lot of stuff with my my teams around stats. Like we have like like a, what what we consider like a a, a winning performance. It's something I got from Coach Wenham. Um, I, I, we just basically every single game will. We'll, We'll put up our stats, our turnovers, our ground balls, our goals, shots against, um, our face-off percentage. We'll put that up again. We'll put, we'll put that up on the board, and we'll say, right, well, this is what we, you know, we might have played someone really bad, you know, and we we might be in the red in every sing, every single indice. So I, I'm a, I'm a big believer in, in stats. I, I, I uh, you can gauge where your team's at. You know, you can gauge effort as well, really. Absolutely. We um we introduced a little. It's like a a competition thing in the club. Um, one for a goal, two for assist. Defense get it's difficult to you know takeaways and that without having a rain man there. Um, but we yeah, two for an assist, one for a goal. If you're a defender and you get man of the match, you get ten points. And it literally changed every player on the team. They loved it. Even the kid who's like, oh, I don't care for lacrosse, just turn up for the beards. He even got into it. Um, but we've got. I feel like that's something that clubs don't do like you know we're all looking for the next level we're all looking for something a bit more professional and so on and so forth but we don't do the basic things that simple simple things like that if we actually knew who the best would you say 64 if we knew who the best 64 players were there's four teams of 16 and you got two strings and middies you got a face-off guy you got uh you know you've got your room for specialization right there so 16 is a good number if we actually knew who they were we could then do something with it. You could ask, you know, you you got stuff to look at. Um, you know that so and so from Hampstead has had a hell of a season based on some numbers. Well, no, like sports like basketball, for example, um, you have to take stats at a game. Um, you, you know, I know because we get at MTU, we get like the like they they send like a big like 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 wad of um, stats books at the start of the season for the for the for the for the, uh, the, the club to to do. You know, put stats in for the games and whatnot. You know, something like that we could mandate. I know it's difficult because you try, you've got to get a volunteer to do the stats. But we should be doing stuff like that. We should be recording it. I mean, like, I know that our 
thing that we use for our league republic you can put stats in there and stuff like that it's not a, a hugely difficult thing to change like i remember a couple of, a couple of years like many years ago they used to have stats in the england lacrosse website like you used to be able to see like who had the best like from a defensive point of view who had the best uh goals against record and all that kind of stuff it was it was good you wanted to be the top number one it, you know, it's good to see also who who was uh, who was scoring in the league, who was a leading scorer, and all that kind of stuff. Absolutely, that's what drives a lot of people to play. Like anecdotally, we've so we started doing this thing. Goals are easy because you can track the goals. But we started saying to referees, "Listen, this is what we do. Is there any chance if it's an assist, even if they don't, you know, if they've got a strange definition of what an assist is, as long as it's consistent, if it's an assist, can you say assisted by number three? And they they were like, no. I'll call the goals and that's that. And that's not me slagging off a referee. That's like, I'm trying to change a few things within my club and get a bit of involvement from people. And when you hit little hurdles like that, it becomes really hard. We ended up having to get someone on the side to do it. Um, but my point, my point being, sorry, like we're talking about a super league and whatnot. I think that there would be a desire for people to see some elite, like proper elite, um, lacrosse going on domestically away from the England squad you know where you can have a bit of fun an all-star game would be a great place to start but I feel like there's so much more that we as clubs we're always banging on about what English lacrosse don't do about how oh, the league do this the league do that I feel like there is a lot that we could do as clubs to help push this development on and I know you said you need a rain man you do for things like goalies and 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 defensive stats and so on and so forth but for goals and assists it's a no-brainer it's so easy and that I think that what you get out of it is huge. Um, so you're a no for a Super League. Sam Pat is, is I think we were drunk. This, when we had this stage, I, can't, I, I can't remember it. I must have been drunk. Uh, it was your yeah, chat. You brought it up. Oh, I chat a lot of bollocks. Everyone knows I chat a lot of bollocks when I'm drunk. Um, uh, no, uh, I, no, I'm not against it. Like I said to you before, like I'd love lacrosse to be a summer sport, you know, personally and like i know that you need to have andy downing on here to, or whoever from the indoor lacrosse side of things you know i we need to be playing more indoor lacrosse so i'd love us to have play summer lacrosse outdoor and play winter lacrosse indoor i mean if we can i know i, I, I know we're, we're looking we're trying to build some indoor venues uh up and down the country i think there's a couple i don't know i don't know if that's secret information or whatever uh, I don't know. If no lacrosse is secret information. There's no secret information in lacrosse, mate. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Once it's said in the bar, it's open information anyway. Uh, no, but I know that that's that's been moved around. And for me, if we're going to grow the game, like skill set wise, we need to play more indoor lacrosse. I'm I'm devo I'm devastated that um, I came to outdoor lacrosse, indoor lacrosse, so late in my career. I wish I'd had an opportunity to play at a younger age. So tell me about that. I wanted to talk to you about box. It's I spoke to Rob about it last week. It's boomed in the south. What's it like in the north? Give us a picture of what you guys are doing up there. Has it has it had a massive hike or? Well, I can't take credit. It's all Andy Downing's work, and there's a few of the key key volunteers that have, that have pushed it up north. Um, it's definitely getting a lot more buy-in. You know, when we we when we had that north south game a couple of weeks ago, a couple of months ago, was it? Um, you know, you saw we had a trial. You know, we had decent decent turnout for that. Which it would be great to see more. But what Andy's done, doing great, uh, done a great work on is creating a June, like creating some more junior events. So getting the kids in the box. I mean, I mean, obviously, you know, the box team. You know, we used to say that you know they they, uh, they did what they did in a in a <laughs> in a tennis court or wherever it was. And it's yeah. true, like it's it's it, it's a box though, and and it's a play, and it's a space where they can they can they can learn the game of indoor lacrosse because obviously it's 
you know, it's a, it looks this, like it's similar, but it's not the same. And you, your skill set has to be uh, a lot different to play the indoor game than the outdoor Absolutely. game. Like a, a good out, a good indoor player does not mean you're going to be a good outdoor player, and vice versa. Um, we play um, shoe know, mash. So, have you ever played shoe mash? Oh, I know. Yeah, no. You used to usually always send me stuff for the. For the I won't. I won't rattle on about it. Thing, but it's different. It's one with a single, right? Yeah, thing yeah. Goal, right? It's like. But it's played indoors. It's the same. You're in a cage, and that's that's the big difference. There's nowhere to hide. You can't pass the ball off it, unless you're under is pressure. It contact, though? Oh yeah, it's, it's lacrosse just in a cage with a the goal, the main difference is the goal. Um, it just made me think what you said there about you know you're playing in a box. It, we don't play box necessarily at our club, but we we do play a little bit of shoe mash. That's it's it's different. If you haven't played shoe mash, at least YouTube it. Um, it's it's a very interesting experience. I love it. Um, it's not for everyone, but it's one to look at. <laughs> okay so um is there a big buy-in from the players up north they all still set on field or no i, I genuinely do think there's um there's definitely a uh, demand for indoor lacrosse for sure i think they've seen like obviously a lot of the guys talk talk to one another and, and, and like you know guys guys get invited down to these sessions and they they like they're fully on board of it um from, from my point of view I, I, like i said to you if we could play indoor lacrosse in the winter and outdoor lacrosse in the summer, that for me would be the perfect uh, it's a environment for us to to really push our game forward. Because you know, you look at the Canadian, like the Canadians, for example. You know, they got kind of hybrid style. They play out uh, when they play outdoor, and you know, so many teams now are playing a lot more two man offenses, or you know, a lot more, uh, you know, a lot more sort sort of the in- bringing the indoor game outdoor. Oh yeah. Um, if you watch them know, against the USA just, at the World Cup. That's it is indoor playing outdoor outdoor, isn't it? Yeah, no, it's just the stick skills, man. Like some of the stuff they can do with their sticks uh, is insane. Um, yeah, we, we need to do it, and it would only help our junior game out as well. Okay, cool. Sounds good. Um, all right, so we need to finish up, but tell me before we go, just tell me a little bit about the the future. Um, you're you're done with international field, correct? As a player, I am. Yeah, indoor. What's I the am. plan for indoor? I, I, I don't think... I'm, I'm getting. I'm getting old now, man. I'm like 30, 34. <laughs> so uh, I'd love. Don't get me wrong. I'd love to play like a European indoor championships or something like that. Like go go for that. I, I mean, I need to realize that I'm not a forward and I'm, I need to play more transition or defense. But um, uh, you know, I think I've come to the game way too late to become a forward. But uh, um, yeah, I'd love to, but again, it's just time, commitment, um, you know, all those kind of things that that that, that are going. I'm I'm enjoying my coach. Obviously, I'm an assist, assistant coach of the field team now. I'm loving that role, um, which obviously is taking up a lot of my time uh, out, out out of uh, out of playing. I was going to say, how did that come around? You just said, obviously, you, you, yeah, time's limited. Um, you put in a bit of indoor outdoor on the back burner. What made you want to go uh, for the assistant coach role? What, you played for so long on the field. Did you not see it as a, you know, maybe I should have a little bit of me time, as as people would say. What made you want to go for it? I think I probably should have done that. Um, <laughs> I know my friends, my friends, like obviously my, my closest friends would tell me that I should sort of, I think the, the biggest problem, the biggest worry I had was I was so close to the guys that were on the team um, that there would be a bit of a, you know, not necessarily respect thing, but like just, kind of like they see me more as a player rather than a coach. And uh, I've still got a ways to go around that. It's just where you hold yourself, the way you carry yourself and stuff like that. Um, but I just didn't want to – I didn't want – I just enjoyed being part of Team England. I wanted to be continue 
being a part of it really I like enjoy being around the boys enjoy enjoy um I enjoy my coaching now, so I really enjoy my coaching. So hopefully I can bring something to the table uh, that's a little different. Um, obviously working with uh, Coach Coach Shanahan and, and, and Mike Bartlett, um, you know, it's really I'm really enjoying working with those guys and Baggy as well. Um, you know, it's just been a fun experience, and hopefully, obviously with like we kind of it was kind of like obviously I don't know if you know what what, what went on the back right, uh, the backside. Obviously Doug was associate head coach and then was made head coach. Um, it kind of like was kind of thrown up in the air a little bit. So we, we've tried to like, th this coronavirus is probably the best thing that could have happened because it's meant that we can just like hit the reset button, reassess where we're at, what we need to do and properly plan out the year ahead. Um, obviously with what's going on with the European Championships, we don't know what, we don't know what's going on with the European, is it going to be played in 2021? Is it going to be, you know, like with those mutants that it could be a, um, like a series of like mini tournaments with like a big weekend go in Poland or a big uh, like the playoffs in Poland. We don't know, so it's kind of all up in the air a little bit at the moment in regard to how that looks. And obviously, we've got the World Games in two two years. Is that going to happen? When it's going to happen, or is that going to be pushed an extra year? We just it's just a bit. Everyone, no one knows what's going on really at the moment. It's um, I mean that's it's not like we can't control it as a coaching staff. We just got to keep planning, keep getting our getting our our ducks in a row, keep working on um. What we need to do as a coaching staff to make sure that the boys go out on the field whenever this European Championships is in the best possible, uh, best possible shape. Special thanks to Sam for coming on the show. I really enjoyed talking with him and picking his brain on the sport he clearly has such a passion for. If you like the episode, please give it a share on social media. It's the easiest way to reach new listeners. Next episode, we'll be catching up with Rob Ingham-Clark to discuss all things London. 